Hello, um, welcome to the first episode of Soft October Night. The hope for this podcast is to make something that you can listen to to help you go to sleep, maybe just to take your mind off things. Um, I know that I like to listen to podcasts when my brain's getting a little bit too loud, so hopefully this can be something to distract you. My name is B, um, and because it's the first episode, I was thinking we could start with my favourite book of poems, or per se, um, the book of poetry that kind of got me into poetry. And that would be Prufock and Other Observations by T.S. Eliot. When I was in high school, I first found the um, poem The Love Songs of J. Alfred Prufock, and I was obsessed with it. I was that annoying person, this is a very specific type of person, who just recited poetry. I am still kind of that person that if you say a line of a poem I recognize, I'll try and finish the poem. <laughs> it frustrates my friends a lot, but that started here. So we're going to do something a little out of order tonight because as the title of the book is Proof Hawk and Other Observations, this book of poetry begins with the love song, um, but I'm going to skip that one and get to it at the end because why not start with something that isn't a favourite. Also, we'll preface this with... Um, there are going to be some words I don't know how to pronounce, or I stumble on. I'm not a great reader, which seems a bit odd for someone who's going to be reading a lot. But, you know, everything is about practice, so I'll practice with you. Alrighty, so where shall we start today? I was thinking of starting with... Portrait of a Lady. Among the smoke and fog of a December afternoon, you have the scene arrange itself, as it will seem to do, with, I have saved this afternoon for you. And four wax candles in the darkened room, four rings of light upon the ceiling overhead, an atmosphere of Juliet's tomb, Prepared for all the things to be said or left unsaid. We have been, let us say, to hear the latest poll, transmit the preludes through his hair and fingertips, so intimate with Chopin, that I think his soul should be resurrected only among friends. Some two or three who will not touch the bloom that is rubbed and questioned in the concert room. And so the conversation slips among and carefully caught regrets through attenuated tones of violins mingled with remote cornets and begins. You do not know how much they mean to me, my friends, and how, how rare and strange it is to find in a life composed so much, so much of odds and ends. For indeed I do not love it. You knew you are not blind. How keen you are 
to find a friend who has these qualities, who has and gives those qualities upon which friendship lives. How much it means that I say this to you, without these friendships. Life will catch you all. Among the windings of violins and the arities of cracked cornets, inside my brain a dull tom-tom begins, absurdly hammering a prelude of its own, capricious monotone, that is at least one def definite false tone. Let us take in air. <laughs> Let us take the air in a tobacco trance, admire the monuments, discuss the late events, correct our watches by the public clocks, then sit for half an hour and drink our box. Now that the lilacs are in bloom, she has a bowl of lilacs in her room and twists one in her fingers while she talks. Oh, my friend, you do not know, you do not know what life is. You who hold it in your hands, slowly twisting the lilac stalks. You let it flow from you, you let it flow. And youth is cruel and has no more remorse and smiles at situations which it cannot see. I smile, of course, and go on of drinking, and go on drinking tea. Yet with these April sunsets that somehow recall my buried life in Paris in the spring, I feel immeasurably at peace and find the world to be wonderful and youthful after all. The voice returns like the incessant out of tune of a broken violin on an August afternoon. I am always sure that you understand my feelings, always sure that you feel, sure that across the gulf you reach your hand, you are invulnerable, you have no Achilles heel. You will go on, and when you have prevailed, you can say, At this point, many a one has failed. But what have I, but what have I, my friend, to give you? What can you receive from me? Only the friendship and the sympathy of one about to reach her journey's end. I shall sit here serving tea to friends. I take my hat. How can I make a cowardly amends for what she has said to me? You will see me any morning in the park, reading the comics and the sporting page. Particularly, I remark, an English countess goes upon the stage. A Greek was murdered at a Polish dance. Another bank defaulter has confessed. I keep my countenance. I remain self-possessed, except when a street piano... Mechanical and tired reiterates some worn-out common song, with the smell of hiccothants across the garden, recalling things that other people have desired. Are these ideas right or wrong? The October night comes down, returning as before, except for a slight sensation of being ill at ease. I mount the stairs and turn the handle of the door, and feel as if I had mounted on my hands and knees. And so you are going abroad, and when do you return? But that's a useless question. You hardly know when you are coming back. You will find so much to learn. My smile falls heavily upon the bric-a-brac. Perhaps you can write to me. My self-possession flares up for a second. This is as I had reckoned. I have been wondering frequently of late but our beginnings never know their ends. Why we have not developed into friends, 
I feel like one who smiles and turning shall remark, suddenly his expression in a glass. My self-possession gutters, we are really in the dark. For everybody said so, all our friends. They were all sure our feelings would relate so closely. I myself can hardly understand. We must leave it now to fate. You will write at any rate. Perhaps it is not too late. I shall sit here serving tea to friends. And I must borrow every changing shape to find expression. Dance, dance like a dancing bear, cry like a parrot, chatter like an ape. Let us take the air in a tobacco trance. Well, and what if she should die some afternoon? Afternoon grey and smoky, evening yellow and rose, should die and leave me sitting pen in hand, with the smoke coming down upon the housetops, doubtful for a while, not knowing what to feel, or if I understand, or whether wise or foolish, tardy or too soon, would she not have the advantage after all? This music is successful with a dying fall, and now that we talk of dying, and should I have the right to smile? I do like that poem. I, I've got to be honest with you, I don't know if I fully understand it, but it it does take me places. What should we do next? I think we'll skip ahead. Do a shorter one and then maybe skip back. So um, this poem, Hysteria, is one of the last in the book, but it's also one of the two poems in this book that I have annotated. It's a quite a short um, paragraph, but it captivates me for some reason. Hysteria. As she laughed, I was aware of becoming involved in her laughter and being part of it, until her teeth were only accidental stars with a talent for squadrille. I was drawn in by short gasps, inhaled at each momentary recovery, lost finally in the dark caverns of her throat, bruised by the ripple of unseen muscles. An elderly waiter with trembling hands was hurriedly spreading a pink and white checkered cloth over the rusty green iron table, saying, If the lady and gentleman wish to take their tea in the garden, if the lady and gentleman wish to take their tea in the garden. I decided that if the shaking of her breasts could be stopped, some of the fragments of the afternoon might be collected, and I concentrated my attention with careful subtlety to this end. He just got a little carried away with a woman. Quite. I'm shocking. This is an audio medium. It takes me. Okay, I think we'll go for two more. Okay, go for preludes. The winter evening settles down with smell of steaks in passageways. Six o'clock. The burnt out ends of smoky days, and now a gusty shower wraps the grimy scraps of withered leaves. About your feet and newspapers from vacant lots the showers beat on broken blinds and chimney pots and at a corner of the street 
A lonely cab horse steams and stamps, and then the lightning, lighting of the lamps. The morning comes to consciousness of faint stale smells of beer from the sawdust trampled street, of all its muddy feet that press to early coffee stands. With the other masquerades that time resumes, one thinks of all the hands that are f raising dingy shades in a thousand furnished rooms. You tossed a blanket from the bed. You lay upon your back and waited. You dozed and watched the night revealing the thousand sorrowed images of which your soul was constituted. They flickered across, they flickered against the ceiling and when all the world came back and the light crept betw up between the shutters and you heard the sparrow in the gutters. You had such a vision of the street as the street hardly understands, sitting along the bed's edge, where you curled the big papers from your hair or clasped the yellow soles of feet in the palm of both soiled hands. His soul stretched tight across the skies that fade behind a city block or trampled by insistent feet at four and five and six o'clock, and short square fingers stuffing pipes and evening newspapers and eyes, assured of certain certainties, the conscious of a blackened street, impatient to assume the world. I am moved by fancies that are curled around these images and cling, the notion of some infinitely gentle, infinitely suffering thing, Wipe your hand across your mouth and laugh. The worlds revolve like ancient women gathering fuel in vacant lots. Hmm. It's been a long time since I've read that one. I'm glad that we read it together. And now for our final poem, and perhaps the most important one, if you're me. It is time for the love song of J. Alfred Prufock. Let us go then, you and I, when the evening is spread out against the sky, like a patient etherized upon a table. Let us go through certain half-deserted streets, the muttering retreats of restless nights in one-night cheap hotels and sawdust restaurants with oyster shells. Streets that follow like a tedious argument of insidious intent to lead you to an overwhelming question. Oh, do not ask what is it. Let us go and make our visit. In the room, the women come and go. Talking of Michelangelo. The yellow fog that rubs its back upon the window panes, the yellow smoke that rubs its muzzle on the window panes, licked its tongue into the corners of the evening. Lingered upon the pools that stand in drain, let fall upon its back the soot that falls from chimneys, slipped by the terrace, made a sudden leap, and seeing that it was a soft October night, called once about the house, and fell asleep. And indeed there will be time for the yellow smoke that slides along the street, rubbing its back upon the window panes. There will be time, there will be time. Prepare a face to meet the faces that you meet. There will be time to murder and create, and time for all the works and days of hands that lift and drop a question on your plate. Time for you 
and time for me, and time yet for a hundred indecisions, and for a hundred visions and revisions before the taking of toast and tea. In the room the women come and go, talking of Michelangelo, and indeed there will be time to wonder, do I dare, and do I dare, time to turn back and descend the stair, with a bold spot in the middle of my hair. They will say, how his hair is growing thin. My morning coat, my collar mounting firmly to the chin, my necktie rich and modest, but asserted by a simple pin. They will say, but how his arms and legs are thin. Do I dare disturb the universe? In a minute there is time for decisions and revisions which a minute will reverse. For I have known them all already, known them all have known the evenings, mornings, afternoons. I have measured out my life with coffee spoons. I know the voices dying with a dying fall beneath the music from a farther room. So how should I presume? And I have known the eyes already, known them all, the eyes that fix you in a formulated phrase. And when I am formulated sprawling on a pin, when I am pinned and wriggling on the wall, and how should I begin to spit out all the butt ends of my days and ways? And how should I presume? And I have known the arms already, known them all. Arms that are braceleted and white and bare, but in the lamplight downed with light brown hair. Is it perfume from a dress that makes me so digress? Arms that lie along a table or wrap about a shawl. And should I then presume? And how should I begin? Shall I say I have gone at dusk through narrow streets and watched the smoke that rises from the pipes of lonely men in shirt sleeves leaning out of windows? I should have been a pair of ragged claws scuttling across the floors of silent seas. In the afternoon, the evening sleeps so peacefully, smoothed by long fingers, asleep, tired, or it malingers. Stretched on the floor, here besides you and me, should I, after tea and cakes and ices, have the strength to force the moment to its crisis? But though I have wept and fasted, wept and prayed, though I have seen my head, grown slightly bald, brought in upon a platter, I am no prophet, and he is no great matter. I have seen the moment of my greatness flicker, and I have seen the eternal footman hold my coat and sneaker, and in short, I was afraid. And would it have been worth it, after all? After the cups, the marmalade, the tea, among the porcelain, among some talk of you and me? Would it have been worthwhile to have bitten off the matter with a smile, to have squeezed the universe into a ball, to roll it towards some overwhelming question, to say, I am Lazarus, come from the dead, come back to tell you all. I shall tell you all. If one, settling a pillow by her head, should say, that is not what I meant at all. That is not it at all. And would it have been worth it after all? Would it have been worthwhile? After the sunsets and the dooryards and the sprinkled streets, 
after the novels, after the teacups, after the skirts trail along the floor. And this and so much more. It is impossible to say just what I mean. But as if a magic lantern threw the nerves in patterns on our screen, would it have been worthwhile if one, settling a pillow or throwing off a shawl and turning towards the window should say, That is not it at all. That is not what I meant at all. No, I am not Prince Hamlet, nor was meant to be. I'm an attendant lord, one that will do. Swell a progress, start a scene or two. Advise the prince, no doubt an easy tool. Differential, glad to be of use. Politic, cautious and meticulous. Full of high sentence, but a bit obtuse. At times, indeed, almost ridiculous. Almost at times, the fool. I grow old. I grow old. I shall wear the bottoms of my trousers rolled. Shall I part my hair behind? Do I dare to eat a peach? I shall wear white flannel trousers and walk upon the beach. I have heard the mermaids singing, each to each. I do not think that they will sing to me. I have seen them riding seaward on the waves, combing the white hair of the waves blown back, when the wind blows the water white and black. We have lingered in the chambers of the sea, by sea girls writhed with seaweed red and brown, till human voices wake us, and we drown. And that was the love song of J. Alfred Prufock, which means it is the end of our time tonight. I hope you've enjoyed this, at least somewhat. To get to some more business, this is obviously the first episode of the podcast, so I do have a few more poems planned, but the idea is essentially each week I am going to come and read possibly a handful of poems by the same author. Depending on how long the poem is will depend on how many we read. Some might have some fun facts, depending on how interested I get in reading up, but some might be more experimental, like poems I've never seen before. But hopefully you'll stick around. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next October 9th. Good night.